Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrell pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Alex, new Mets owner, Steve Cohen, is on Twitter soliciting feedback and advice for how he should run the team. Do you have any idea how much self-control it took for me not to quote tweet that and say, Steve, come on tipping pitches? My advice for you would be, come on tipping pitches. (laughs) He would be arguably the worst guest we have ever had. That interview would... I think not be interesting to anyone. I think we would have a blast and he would give a plethora of non-answers and then we'd say, all right, bye, Steve. Good talk, Steve. Good talk, More Steve. Thanks or less for interesting on. than A-Rod? Probably less, right? Pro- probably less, yeah. Because A-Rod, I feel like, at least has a chance to say something like absolutely whacked out. Yeah. Do you think A-Rod is at the top of the guest wish list for this podcast like he has to be number one currently right at least until we get him probably yeah i i we I can never that, end this podcast till we get a rod then i'll right, accept we do I'll accept to, your resignation letter until then i will tear it up into shreds if you send it to me that's our that's our curse is we must keep doing this podcast until a rod comes on <laughs> we will carry this curse with us proudly um <laughs> uh, speaking of of guests that are uh that would be good we have a guest coming up on this very podcast, Alex. We have um, that is good. Yes, we have comedian and fellow podcast host and all around great person, Rhea Butcher, coming on to talk about uh, the Dodgers winning the World Series, which is a thing that happened less than one week ago. What a time Jesus. to sure. be in America! And uh, just generally, uh, the, the the baseball social contract is how I would describe the rest of the conversation, and it's a really good one if you love. Um, this podcast, you will also love their podcast, Three Swings. You probably are already subscribed to it. And if you're not, uh, go subscribe to it now and listen to all of their episodes because it is maybe my favorite pod- baseball podcast, including our own. Um, before we get to that conversation, we are going to speed round a couple things that have happened since we last recorded. Um, and before we get to that speed round and before the interview, uh, I have to remind you that I am Bobby Wagner and I screwed up this intro, but we're going to power through it. Who are you? I'm uh I'm Rhea Butcher. <laughs> I'm Alex Baisley. And you are listening to Tipping Pitches Night Before the Election Brand Podcast. <laughs> All right, Alex, Dodgers won the World Series. You know, we have a big election coming up tomorrow, so we're leading the podcast with Joe Kelly. Let's do it. Sure. Joe Kelly. Moreover, Joe Kelly's quotes about the fake bubble in Texas. Um, a friend of ours, Jen Ramos, this, sent this, this to us. This just in, the bubble was fake, Bobby. Did you this know just that? In. <laughs> they didn't create that safe of an environment. Who would have thought? A uh, friend of the podcast, Jen Ramos, sent these quotes to us. Uh, shout out to Jen. and. Uh, it's not great. Let me just tell you, I'll give you the abridged version. There was no bubble. Room service 
was just bringing them food, dropping it off in their room. There was other people staying in the hotels that were not baseball players. Um, you know, the, the, the workers who were also putting themselves at risk by bringing room service into the room for the baseball players who ended up having positive tests. Uh, they would, they would go home at night and not quarantine and everything. So sounds overall like, um, Rob Manfred was, was bullshitting us. Does that track? Not, I mean, not the Rob I know. The Rob I know is actually a really good guy. He was he was always very quiet and mild mannered. I I never could have expected him to do anything like this. That's the man for the job, you know. The job being um doing whatever owners ask him to do, including like continuing to float the idea of a neutral site World Series for Beyond 2020, which was a weird thing that he did today. What what do you think about that? If the A's make it to the World Series, they just don't get to play in the Coliseum. Who says no besides everyone? <laughs> you know, as you will hear us talk about in our conversation with Rhea later, um, we're mostly advocating for burn it all down. So sure, why the hell not? Play just the make World baseball, Series in Japan. Just make baseball bad enough to the point where people are like, all right, we can disband MLB. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't on board before, but now it's really terrible. So let's just get rid of it. Let's just... Yes, yes, exactly. Public ownership of baseball teams. Um Let's talk a little bit more about Steve Cohen because the sale officially went through. End of the Wilpon era. Before I do my little spiel, what do you have? What's your non-biased perspective on this transfer of ownership? And what does it say to you about the league overall? Well, clearly baseball is still good business. That's what it says to me about uh, baseball is that they can't be doing that bad because billionaires are still looking to invest. Um, I am interested to see kind of how Cohen approaches things, especially in the like immediate coming years, having essentially completely avoided the, the whole meltdown of 2020 and any quote unquote, like economic losses. Like he can't fall on that, uh, sword, so to speak. So I don't know. I maybe that changes the approach. Maybe it doesn't. I, I am happy for you, Bobby, that you are out from under the reign of the the vaunted Wilpons. And um, I don't know how much things will change. Like things could not possibly be worse than the Wilpons. So it's nice to have established a floor. That's that's for sure. Um. And he's a billionaire who needs to make money. So, you know, that's that's part of the deal. You know, that's what we sign up for, right? It's such a grab bag for me, like everything going on with Steve Cohen, because I'm holding like many, many, many things in my head all at yeah. once, which is just like the existence of being alive at this point. But and especially being a baseball fan. But um, number one, yeah, goodbye to the Wilpons you won't be missed even a tiny little bit. It came out in, an, I think, in the New York Post or perhaps in New York Daily News. Sorry to Bradford if I mixed those two up. Um, article today that uh, Jeff Wilpon has just been lurking on Mets Twitter for like the last seven years. I'm like, I don't know how they ever let me into City Field if Jeff Wilpon has been lurking on Mets Twitter. <laughs> Not that I'm like the lord of Mets Twitter or anything like that, but I have definitely tweeted unhinged shit like push Jeff Wilpon in front of the seven train or something like that. I for the record, haven't tweeted that. For the record, that's a joke. This is Allegedly. satire. This, this is a parody. <laughs> satire. 
Uh, can we just put satire in the title, like in asterisks, yes. you yes. know? <laughs> um, that's the first thing. The second thing is uh, what you said. Steve Cohen is a hedge fund billionaire, and hedge fund billionaires don't just do stuff to not make money. Like, he didn't get $14 billion by just doing shit that he liked to do for fun in his free time. Like, he's here to make money. Let's not get it twisted. And I am at least assuaging my own concerns about that aspect of it by telling myself that the Mets are very profitable as it stands now. Like they don't need to chop, cut, and rebuild to become profitable. They've been profitable for the last two decades. You know how I know? The Wilpons lost literally all of their money in the Bernie Madoff scandal and are still doing just fine. So they've been profitable enough to overcome the Wilpons' losses for the last two decades. So that would lead me to believe that they're profitable enough where Steve Cohen doesn't need to take more than his share of the typical owner's pie in order to overcome his own personal financial distress, because he's clearly not in any personal financial distress. The idea that he's like a fan and he just wants to do this to bring one home for Queens, like get the fuck out of here with that <laughs> bullshit. Billionaires can't be fans of baseball teams. That's too petty. That's like, that's, you know, that's working class shit. Like fandom, like tying your lot to something that you can't control. That's not the ruling class, bro. Come on. That's big workers class energy. Yeah. No, you are a fan of the uh, of the team the market. that's going to line your pockets. Yes, yeah, exactly. exactly. You're a fine you're a fan of the portfolio. The <laughs> of the of the winter meetings. <laughs> um and then the last thing is like why is he on Twitter? Why is his Twitter handle Stephen A Cohen 2? Why is he just like tweeting through it? And uh, it's good that he's soliciting advice. I find it weird that he's just chilling in his house, just like reading quote tweets like you and me. Yeah. I but mean, his Twitter likes are like, he straight up has everything from supporting dreamers to like literal Trump, re- at real Donald Trump tweets saying, build the wall. He has like tweets that are the 10th tweet in a reply that's mentioned his name, but didn't mention his at. So he's very clearly like searching his name on Twitter it's just a lot of weird behavior and nothing good can come from it. No, absolutely. A terminally online baseball owner is approximately the last thing that we need. The reason that you theorize that Rob Manford wanted nothing to do with Alex Rodriguez. Too online, yes. too present, yeah. Yeah. too popular, too much of a celebrity. The YouTube mm-hmm. channel was too litty for him. <laughs> Honestly, the 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 whole soliciting ideas from fans, great PR move. Oh my God, what better way to endear yourself to Mets fans who feel like they haven't been heard over the oh last two God. decades? And they were like starved and they ate that shit up. Everybody was like, exactly. oh, this is literally yeah. Mother Teresa. Thank you, Steve Cohen. <laughs> there were genuinely pictures of his face photoshopped over, like Jesus Christ in the replies, yep. which I'm sure you saw. Speaking so, of pictures so of the, his face, like there's only like four pictures of that dude online. Yeah, I know. It's weird. Very weird. Yeah. Anyway. Let's just move on from that. Is there anything else that you need to talk about before we get to our conversation with Rhea Butcher? Real quick. Um, John Lester, pitcher for the Chicago Cubs. Former pitcher, maybe, for the Chicago Cubs. Doesn't Uh, saying John Lester feel like let's remember some guys, even though he's in the majors still? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Remember when he played for the Oakland Athletics? I don't. Um, UNS Cespedes does. (laughs) Ouch. Sorry. He ran up quite a uh, bar tab this weekend. Um, In a pandemic? Approximately 47,000. Um, your eye, eyebrows raised. It was for a good reason. He wanted to um, thank Cubs fans 
for being so great over the last six years. He's very beloved amongst the uh, amongst the fan base. And so he said, if you go to one of these four bars, um, your first Miller Lite, my favorite beer, is on me. Um, Good taste. Just, t- Miller just Lite, tell him. Best of the light beers. Just, <laughs> sure. Uh, just, he, yeah. Okay, I'm on board. You could get fancier with it if you want to include like other light beers, but I'm talking about like the bottom like shelf Coors regular, Light, like Coors, Miller, Miller Light, yeah. Bud. It's all Miller's the best of those, like yes, typical I, I quintessential American light beers. Yes, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, he spent thirty one thousand on these beers, seventeen sixteen thousand, pardon me, on uh, on tip. Seems like a good move. Um, John Lester, what if I have celiac disease and can't drink gluten? Can I get a cider, John? <laughs> Put it on John's tab. Um, <laughs> this is a really cool thing to do um, when it's not like a global pandemic and they're advising you to not leave your home. Yeah. Like, seriously, this is like a really awesome. I love this. Yeah, this is, this is a super heartwarming, dope thing to do. But <laughs> I read the tweet and I was like, Maybe Hang don't on. literally pay for people to go into a bar right now. <laughs> you are literally asking people on Halloween weekend to go outside to a crowded bar. Yeah. Listen, in some places the country, the pandemic just doesn't exist. So that is so. T- in some places like Chicago, in some places like fucking parts saying. of Los Angeles. <laughs> like I had to go to the. Long story short, I had to go to the mall this past weekend to like get an iPhone fix at the Apple store. It was the only appointment we could get or whatever, and. People are just fucking at the mall. Let me tell you, they're just strolling into stores, just buying shit. Yep. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on, I guess. Anyway, yeah, pour uh, pour out a Miller Lite for for John Lester and his uh, career as a Chicago Cub. Should we uh, should we get to our conversation with Rhea? I think we should, and I think you all are going to enjoy it. I hope you do. And like I said, I hope that you are familiar with Three Swings. And if you're not, go check it out. Uh, let's go to our conversation with Rhea Butcher. We are so delighted to be joined by Rhea Butcher. Rhea, hello. Hi. It's so great to be here, you guys. Thanks for having me on your show. Congratulations are in order. You're wearing your Dodgers World Series champions hat. Congratulations. Oh, yeah. they, they did I, it. They did it. You predicted you. they would do it. You maybe kind of half believed it. it, and they did it. I feel like it was a it was a half belief in a fan half belief, you know what I mean? And I also like went out on a limb this year and predicted that they would win it because I think I've I've I don't know that I've ever fully been like Dodgers in 6 ever. You know? Like even for a uh, DS or like a No, like I'm just like nope, not gonna I don't like making that prediction like in 2016 the day after wait, 2015, the day after that World Series I was like, it's going to be the Cubs in Cleveland. And I was right, but I didn't want to go any further than that. Yeah. <laughs> and it turns out if you commit and you have faith in something, something, it works out. You know? And then if you're, you're wrong, <laughs> people usually don't remember. So like... Yeah, they don't. Right. They don't. There aren't entire Twitter accounts uh, dedicated to exposing people being completely wrong <laughs> being about their wrong bonkers predictions. And I guess... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's you're, you're batting a thousand right now. I think this yeah, is yeah. Right now, it's time to maybe you hang it up. No more predictions after. Oh yeah, this. I'm never predicting this again. I have right. no interest in it. 
I will only pr- make predictions for World Series that have teams in them that I don't care about. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like don't have, and I always care, but uh, you know, not in not in my heart space. You know, right? Yeah. Well, I'm actually I actually wanted to start there with your yeah. Dodgers fandom in general. So you've done the the popular Los Angeles thing, which is move to Los Angeles and sort of yep. adopt the Dodgers. But I want to ask you about that because. <laughs> I haven't quite been able to get them in my heart, you know. Sure. It might have something to do with the fact that my original fandom team is also an NL team, or it yeah, might have tough. something to do with the fact that um, I don't like to see my teams win and I like to stick with the Mets and fail. But <laughs> sure, I want to ask you for you, like your own personal journey going from Cleveland to the Dodgers to now kind of both, and what it feels like for you to see that team that you came to later in life and kind of like. How you even got there? Because I think Alex and I sure. idealize the idea of um, adopting a team that you just like because they're fun or like you <laughs> yeah. having fluid <laughs> fandom and not being necessarily tied to a corporation just because like that was the first jersey you ever put on when you were seven. Yeah. No, I mean, I get that. And I feel like it's an ever evolving, you know, it's, it's like an ever evolving thing because like, you know, you're driving and you're having a conversation with yourself. And I was like, but I mean, you know, like just having a conversation about like, oh, now you're OK with it because they won. And it's like, yeah, what's wrong with that? Yeah, <laughs> There's actually yeah, nothing yes. wrong with that because I wanted them to win every time I was I was I cannot even describe to you guys the feeling of leaving Dodger Stadium last year <laughs> after game five of the NLDS. And I was just like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Like, I just, I felt like everything was gone. I was like, I need an off season of not thinking about anybody. And then, you know, coming into this season, I didn't really think baseball should happen at all. Um, And I didn't really watch much of the regular season, but living in Los Angeles, it's all just kind of around and like by osmosis. Also my, I play in a, an actual physical human being (laughs) baseball league. And that wasn't happening either. And so, it was like this disconnect of the camaraderie of baseball. And that is a a big part of why I became so much more of a Dodger fan is that um, living in a town with the the team really helps, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) living someplace where you can go to the games. Cause I think I went to my first game in 2013 and I was like, man, this is a beautiful place. This is a great place to watch baseball. These fans are like, I love this, you know, like everybody's in Dodger gear And, uh, you know, but the team was just boring. They were, they were really boring in 2013. (laughs) They were a boring baseball team. They, they came out and played that like hard nosed, like eyes down kind of baseball. And it was really boring. And then, you know, I went to games because I love baseball. And like, the more I went, the more I liked it. And then it took until 2016, 2017 when Adrian Gonzalez got Wally pipped by Cody Bellinger. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Because <laughs> I was, and I love Adrian Gonzalez, great guy. He, I don't know if you guys remember, but when Rich Hill threw that perfect game, because he did, because it was nine innings, agreed, and then it went away. Right. Yes. Agreed, yes, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, he didn't get to, you know, have it, but he threw a perfect game. Uh, but Adrian Gonzalez slid on his knees to catch like a, a pop up, like a bunt pop up, like you know, twenty feet. Anyway, sure. yeah. love that guy, but he needed to go. They needed something new and they've been building uh, since that time. And like, that's how it grew for me is like, I was like, oh, these guys are, I I just started to like guys on the team. I started to like uh, Puig and I started to like Seager and Kershaw, like all this stuff. And I didn't have the baggage of a lifetime fan. Mm -hmm. I was able to just come in and it, this world series to sort of come to the now is 
it really truly feels like if when I was 13, the team that I loved would have won the World Series because Cleveland lost in 1995. (laughs) And what I learned, what I realized this time is that like, yes, there's the team aspect of it, the, the community around it, but it actually is the people playing it. Like it for me, at least it's the people playing it and it's the people who enjoy it because I have friends in my baseball community who we talk about the Dodgers. I have just friends in my life. I had all these text messages. One of my friends called me because he was like, I need to talk to somebody about this and like just different levels of fandom and being like just a part of a thing. You know, it's like I love baseball and I feel as though this Dodger team was similar to Cleveland which is that like it doesn't actually matter if you're a big market team, you can lose the World Series. And it yeah. felt like the same thing. Like, and that at a certain point attracted me to it, where I was like, well, I guess I'm destined to have this thing happen. <laughs> yeah. You know? But like it just honestly is fun to live in a city and like see the baseball team that you're rooting for all around you. Like it's it's honestly sometimes that simple to drive by a barbecue place and just see like, you know, Dodger shit all over. It's like, this is cool. This is legitimately cool. And it's not a racist mascot. It's like, hell yeah. (laughs) You know? The bar has been cleared, you know? that It was just barely on the floor, man. but it's cleared. Yeah. Yeah, You're you're absolutely right about it being about the the players too, right? Because you adopt a new team and you're like, right now what I am doing is I I have purchased an overpriced shirt or hat (laughs) or whatever and I have absolutely no knowledge about the players that I am actually following. Like like when there was initially baseball and then there wasn't baseball back in March or uh, April, uh, you know, ESPN started airing uh, games from in the KBO, right in mm-hmm. South Korea, and I was like, "Oh, awesome! I'm going to adopt the the Kiwoom yeah. heroes." Um, and one, like you mentioned, um, a little hard when you don't live in that um, <laughs> sure. uh, city or country if it's across the world. Time zone, but also uh, yeah, time zone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But also, I'm like, I I know absolutely nothing about these players, mm-hmm. and that is what makes up so much of that fandom is like the stories the the relationships you develop to a guy like Kike Hernandez who may not yeah. be the best player on the field but he is absolutely the most entertaining player yeah is he is he gonna be like oh hall of famer Kike Hernandez in my heart absolutely Abs- yeah. but but like I bought his jersey I have no idea if he's gonna be on our team next year doesn't matter because like to me that's the team. That's why, like, in Cleveland, people are still, you know, in 2016, I went to that World Series. People are still showing up in their 1995 Central Division champs sweaters because, like, that is the team that they're connected to. And, um, you know, I think what's amazing is there are a lot of people, especially in Los Angeles, I think, you know, a bigger market team tends to have this that it didn't necessarily have, you know, in Northeastern Ohio. But um, you have, like, cultural fans, like, fans who wear Dodger stuff. And if you're you're like, oh, who's your favorite Dodger? They're like, I don't know. <laughs> I just like the Dodger. And it's like yeah. just around, you know? And it's like, you know, we have, especially, you know, in sports, but in life in general, you know, there's these like tests of like, who's a fan and who's not, you know? And like, everybody is. If you choose to be, great, yeah. come on in. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, you this don't shit doesn't have matter. to- it doesn't matter. I mean, I will say that one MLB commercial or whatever it is where everybody's wearing like five different teams at the same time is a Weird. bridge too far for me. Yeah. However, <laughs> <laughs> however, 
I like embrace like who cares? Like I bought a Nationals World Series hat last year because I was like, I loved the baseball that they played in the postseason and they beat my team and they broke. They took it out, but they played better baseball, you yeah. know, and it's like, how can I, you know, I, I, I wanted a piece of that. And I have a hat problem. You're a bigger person than I. I don't. The Nationals thing, I don't think I could do. You do. Well, between I, like the I, interdivisional yeah. rivalry, I understand. And then, and then you know the Sean learners. Doolittle's a nice guy. He's a very nice guy. A former uh, two-time guest of this podcast, friend of the podcast, oh, that's Sean great. Doolittle. Um, yeah, that's great. I think that something that you said in there that really struck a chord with me, and something that I've thought about more and more and more the more we do this podcast is like you got to be able to go to the games. You got to let people come yeah. to the games, and it's really. Right hard to go to baseball games right now if you don't have like a lot of money or you haven't like planned ahead of time and that's the one thing you know it's not like crazy expensive to go to dodgers games um they know that they're like a big market team and they can charge a lot or whatever and they have a great tv deal so it's not the most expensive team to see in the world tv deal is personally the worst problem out of it out of the whole thing that you can't actually watch them if you no, live in the market, you, right? You have to pay like a hundred dollars extra a month. Anyway, I don't. I didn't mean to do that. No, <laughs> I didn't I mean think, to divert your point. I think that's a, a gigantic part of it, and that's something that we talk a lot about here. And I never really felt, I never really understood that, like growing up, until I actually moved into the market of the team that I like, because I grew up in Philadelphia mm-hmm. and then went right. to college in New York. And when I started going to games, like regularly and they had student ticket pricing for $10. I mean, that's when my love really deepened for the team. So like, and I'm looking sure. at your face as I say $10, just like an unheard yeah. of price to see a baseball game now. I know, and that's I just insane. Don't you get can, you how, barely get a hot dog for that. Exactly. You know? And I just don't, you know, I do understand that like owners don't give a shit about us or whatever, but I just don't understand how, at least from a financial perspective, like you don't understand how letting people see your product cheaper now would build more long-term community love like you're describing for the Dodgers because you're now here yeah. and you can watch them in person. Right. And also, I can't this year. <laughs> you know? Well, it's true. like, it's crazy. It the, the the pandemic and the fact that like they still blacked out games, you know, they pushed know. this whole That's agenda. Insane. It's just compl- like, I, I am at a place right now in my like fellowship of baseball where I'm just like, I am I am parsing out and not necessarily separating, but just accepting both parts of the thing. And I just started Ken Burns again because it's the off season. Um, and it's just like, oh right, like people you say, get you involved. You say again. Is this is this something you've you've already done? You've already <laughs> taken a foray into? <laughs> I've I've watched it twice. <laughs> I just like it. <laughs> I like baseball a lot, <laughs> and I just like I just. Um, like re not reincarnated, but just like uh, brought my friend's baseball love back from the dead. Like she started, she revived. was home. Yeah, I revived it, and she was like, "What have you done to me?" I was like, "I'm sorry, dude. This is part of being friends with me." And then, like, <laughs> we were together when they won the World Series. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, she was like from Alabama, so she had you know like Atlanta, you know, growing up on the Atlanta team, mm-hmm. and then also she was she like went to all the high school baseball games. But uh, I, I'm just in a place where I'm trying to accept that ownership and the corporation of Major League Baseball, as much as they try, and they are trying even harder now than they ever have to own the concept of baseball. <laughs> yeah. I refuse to let them do it, you know, and just uh, like find different ways of experiencing the sport. You know, even if it's just like watching Ken Burns baseball, I'm like, immersing myself in the different ways that it's been 
you know. That's a really interesting way of putting it. This concept of baseball, because you're yeah. you're you're dead you're <laughs> you're dead on that it they they want their grasp on you know it, you look at social media right and they want yeah. control over what's distributed there even if it's content created by fans they own, they want to own uh, the IP they want to own yeah. the IP and like look I get it makes them a lot of money I understand why they want to do that but sure. that that strikes me as such an important. Um, I don't know, thing for us as fans to to kind of hold on to, right? And yeah. you know, part of the reason why why Bobby and myself made a made a dumb podcast to like talk about this stuff because it's exactly. like it's exact, and I'm sure you're familiar with that. Yeah, same um, same reason I made a dumb podcast too. You know, <laughs> I thought you were yeah. going to go in the direction, Alex, of part of the reason that we made a whole campaign where we sold T-shirts. Um, that said, unionize the minor leagues. <laughs> well, that that too, right? Take like, back yeah. the ownership of our sport here, <laughs> right? Yeah. Do you um, have any more of those shirts? I'll proudly wear one. Yes, we do. Yeah, yes. we're selling okay, them still great. with um, okay, great with proceeds going to more than baseball, which sends oh, sends great. some money over to minor leaguers and their families. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, we gotta because the the whole I mean the Rob Manfred one baseball thing just really I really don't like it. I don't like it at all. And I mean, I think for me, you, you know, social media and the IP and all of it. But for me, it's it's also they they don't want you to step on a baseball field without thinking of Major League Baseball, you know, and that's a reality. You know, that's a that's a fantasy and like a reality and a cool thing in America. You know, like it's it's part of the the dream and the pastime and all this stuff. But they want their claws and their trademark in all of it and it's why they keep people out <laughs> you know like yeah. it keeps people out of the sport you know it it i i personally like to watch all different levels like i'm so grateful that the kbo was being played and like people you know the people who were enjoying it, it was just nice to watch people enjoy something because it is the sport that they love and it doesn't have to look this way or that way and it's like what if we just enjoyed things? What if we didn't have to compare them all the time? What oh, if the NBA, if the WNBA could all just exist and you could find the things you liked about both of them? You know, like instead of constantly comparing them, what if, uh, you know, we didn't keep women out of baseball and shoved them into softball and then said softball was stupid? Like, what if uh, everybody played all of it? <laughs> what if we just watched different kinds of baseball? Like, what if we got more baseball? You know, that's the thing. To me, it's just more baseball. And that's all I want, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like more baseball all the time. But what I'm, what I'm missing in that is how do you make money? Off right. Of you don't that? make money off of that, but you also do like, it's just, it's an inability <laughs> be, because it's just not true. You know, it's just not true. Like a league of their own is a movie, a fictionalized movie about a real thing, a real league that lasted 10 years. I have one complaint about that movie. And it's the fact that, None of the stuff at the end, you know, the words at the end, the text at the end says the league lasted for 10 years. Yeah. World War II did not last for 10 years. Yeah. Major League Baseball was p happening at the same time. And the reason that it failed was not because people didn't care. It was because of mismanagement by executives. And then also the advent of televised games. And they couldn't yeah. keep up with television, you know. So... I just don't buy that as like, you know, it would take some time, but you, you can make money off of anything. It's just how much money do you want to make? Do, do you want to do it like uh, Bing Russell? Do you want to make enough money 
to make a thing that is worth making or do you want to make as much money as possible and then leave? You know, yeah. like, unfortunately, well, a lot of people go with the second one. Exactly. And I was going to say it's an interesting, like, ecosystem question because it doesn't mm-hmm. that version of this creating as much baseball as possible and making it as accessible as possible doesn't fit these 30 all white old men billionaire <laughs> right. worldview yeah. of supply and demand where they yeah. like corner the supply and they yep. create their own demand and fix yep. it as if it's like the stock market. You know, like it just yeah. doesn't fit their worldview of how things become accessible to communities and how you like build, build power in an idea. And in this case, the idea is baseball. Yeah. And then they try to sell it back to you by saying, oh, look at all this money we donate and stuff like that. Oh, you my know? God. <laughs> well, they don't make like, any. Well, actually, why are we even having this conversation? Because baseball owners don't make any money from baseball. Oh, right. They're, they had to fire everyone. <laughs> yeah. They don't exactly. make any money. Right. Baseball's not profitable. I just think, you know, like, here's the thing. In a, in a perfect world, you know, Congress, the Senate would be challenging the, you know, the exemption from the monopoly rule and creating some change in the corporate stru- structure of baseball because, I, personally, I don't think you can have both. You don't get to keep operating like this as a monopoly <laughs> and then get this, like, you know, because it, it's just not, it doesn't, it's very American what they're doing. But, um... Also, it's not just that these guys that these are old white guys. It's like these are oil executives. These yeah. are military like military weapons executives. Like that is the Real money that's in baseball. Yeah, the, these are lords. like yeah, they're like yeah. Yeah, these are these are the I mean there's a Halliburton sign in left field at, you know, Minute Maid Field or whatever. It's like Jeez. this is old, old money, and this is the way that money works. You know, it just extracts until it's gone. They are causing this. They're causing this by tightening the grasp on who it, I, I can play baseball by thinning it down to like, oh, you have to have like a thousand dollars to get into Little League because you're basically getting scouted by the time you're 11. You know, it's 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 bonkers to me. Alex, you were throwing a sick changeup at eleven, though. Like, good thing you were getting scouted so early. That changeup was fucking. It was dropping right out of the zone at the last second. Off the table. (laughs) That was actually that was my fastball that I was throwing. Just it wasn't hard enough. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm curious, Ria, how you kind of contextualize this season, uh, both within your Dodger fandom, because you know we we talked incessantly about. Will this season count? Will it, <laughs> will it, does it not count? Does the World Series matter this year? And those conversations seemed like they eventually faded away because we all really had a great time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious how you contextualize it within your personal fandom, but also within baseball at large. You know, mm-hmm. what you see this season as meaning with, sure. with, with real scare quotes around, around that. Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. You know, I don't know. It's going to be, it's going (laughs) to, I really think I'm like, wow, I can't wait to see how this turns out. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, (laughs) we're going to talk about it for a long time. You know, it will always, this season will always be talked about. I mean, the 87 World Series, it still comes up, you know, like it still comes up, not as a question as to whether it was real or not or whatever. Um, But, you know, I think, and I've I've said this about the the Astros, um, and the Red Sox seem to have like kind of skittered away from any any real real responsibility. So we'll probably never really talk about that. It's, 
It they is are the biggest winners of the whole Astros cheating scandal is the Red Sox, yeah, who did the exact same thing with the same person. They're and also going to get Alex Cora back. Like, yeah. I, I was like, saw a tweet of like, oh, this is who the, and he was the last name. And I was like, oh, you little, you little. They, like, just, they just snuck it in at the end. They're they really like, did. These are all like, our manager oh, finalists. Yeah, you're hiring, and, and you're hiring that guy again. Absolutely. <laughs> You heard of this um, Alex Cora fellow who we already vetted and loved so much that we hired him for a whole year and he won this World yeah. Series? Yeah, we love this guy. He's got plans. <laughs> he likes to read the data. Um, I just think it's going to be an ever-evolving thing and it'll change and ebb and flow over time, you know, of like, what is it? I think stats, it's going to be hard, you know, for like particular performances by players and things. Um in terms of like a season MVP or whatever, yeah. like Cy Young's and stuff like that. Although I will say that Shane Bieber's performance, like that's the thing. You look at the performance though, even though it's a small sample size, that is a tremendous performance. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you can't really deny that that's a Cy Young season. Like you, you translate those numbers to 162 games. Like you're probably still looking at a Cy Young candidate, you know? Yeah. So I, I think it's going to be hard and weird and like, what this has taught me is that it's always like this, you know, it, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Like it is literally up to each individual person to see this game as the way they want to see it, you know, but I do think that either team winning this world series, either team, the Rays or the Dodgers, uh, I think baseball as a whole will respect the winners, especially after it being the Dodgers because they got to the World Series so many times. Now, people who hate the Dodgers are never going to, you know, whatever. But that's not who we're talking about. We're talking about baseball as a thing, you know. And uh, I got two hats when I went. I got a hat for my friend. He came over to pick it up. And I was like, how are you feeling, man? How's it feel, you know? Like, because we're still just, like, excited about it. And he's like, you know, it makes that asterisk year, like, a little bit easier. And that's the thing. Like, they both exist, you know. They both exist. So, like, they're just both there. And me personally, I've been able to like let go of some of that and be like, oh, right. It's not all nothing is like black and white and it all just exists, you know, but time will tell. I'm really curious to find out what do you guys think about, you know, whether or not this one counts or whatever. I mean, I will say somebody immediately <laughs> I posted the like Dodgers, you know, Instagram thing to my feed and like within the first day, somebody was like, shortened season doesn't count. And I was like, delete, don't care. This <laughs> yeah, is my house. Get out of my yard. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny that you ask because Alex and I, before the playoffs started, we did a podcast that I, I titled cheekily, um, the season that didn't count, but did count, but maybe didn't count, question mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um. It definitely counts. Of course it counts. It they counts. all fucking it played. Happened. Like, this is a yeah. Major League Baseball season. And I think that uh, we actually, this is a case where we actually benefit from procrastination. Like, you wait to see how it feels in the moment and at the end. Like, if this had been um, a season where, God forbid, like, 12 teams had, you know, Cardinals and Marlins-style um, outbreaks and by the end of the season, only, you know, 18 teams were even playing baseball. At that sure. point, you might start having a conversation where you're like, not does this count in terms of like, did the baseball on the field count? But does this count in terms of should we even be talking about baseball at all? Like, oh, yeah. or should we be talking about? <laughs> and we were on the brink of that at times for sure in this season. Yeah. And, you know, 10 minutes after the World Series ended, we were sure. on the brink of that conversation. But yeah, I mean, for me, it's like they went out there. And they did the best with what they were given in the situation that they were dealt. 
And if that's not valid in 2020 with all of the shit that we've had to deal with so far, um, recording this on the Monday night before the uh, election, <laughs> right. um, yeah. then I don't know what it is. Like, I just don't know what, what are we even doing this for? What are we even talking about baseball as a community for? Absolutely. And I mean, I think they all played great baseball. You know, oh, it that, was that's great. The, the baseball was good. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think you're you're so right, Bobby, in that like the in the moment, I was like, this feels amazing. I am having mm-hmm. so much fun right now. And, and like again, it's like it's like the difference between the the concept and the reality. The reality yeah. is, yeah, you played 60 games this season. So on paper, this is gonna look really strange to people down the road who did not live through this. Just like the, the strike shortened season. I'm like, I don't really know how that lives in my baseball brain. Um I you know, I like I wanted, I wish the Expos could have won it all or done the damn thing <laughs> yeah, or whatever. I mean, that was the year Cleveland was going to take it all. We were having a great season. You guys know that the uh, strike started on my birthday? Wow. Really? Happy birthday. Solidarity. <laughs> that's, uh, that's um, you know, that's part of my, my baseball sadness story, you know. Nice. I will say this helps, though. This helps. But yeah, it's true. Like, you just, we just don't know. And I, I mean... Had it been worse, would we, I, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think, you know, the end and game six, the ending of game six proved to me that they would have gone on no matter what, like they would have gotten scabs and they would have done whatever they wanted. And there would be a split of baseball fans who were into it and those who weren't, you know, but um, luckily and hopefully they were able to contain it and like, you know, they didn't just hide it. We don't, I mean, I don't really trust major league baseball like at all anymore, but uh <laughs> Haven't given a ton of reason to. Yeah, I just think, and it's it's like I could choose to look at this and be like, well, it's not good enough. Like I I've talked to Dodger friends friends who don't think this is good enough, and I'm like, I am sorry, man, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm just choosing to be like stoked about it. And I I obviously I don't have to experience this, but I would have been excited for either team. Like I would have been happy either way because they both played a lot of great baseball, yeah. and we got the benefit of a shortened season without it being like major league baseball doing some dumb thing and trying to make baseball more exciting. It just was like, well, this is just the way that it is. And they played better baseball because of it. Cause of when they started, you know, like just all of it shortened season, the Dodgers weren't like worn out, you know, like nobody was worn out. We got to watch players who were like in their, I don't know, July peak or like beginning of August peak, uh, in the postseason, and like as a baseball fan, like hell yeah, I'm glad I got to see that because it was great. Yeah. You know, yeah, it, it would have been really like good. if in 2017 the the Dodgers and Astros had played each other when they were both you know on pace to break the Marlin or the Mariners yeah. single season win record, which what they were both on pace to do that year, which is an incredible right. year. That was actually when we started this podcast, Alex, when we were <laughs> sitting around just being like, so turns out the Dodgers and Astros are good, and like we didn't know what the hell we were doing, um, but. <laughs> shout out to any listener who's still listening at this point and um, stuck with us through all of that. I wanted yeah. to ask you though, you brought up the Dodgers and Rays and you said you would have been, you know, impressed by either team. There is sort of like, uh, like the framing of who won and what narrative would have come out of it is sort of like this culture war thing that baseball sure. always seems to do. And I'd love to hear your opinion on that. Um, just in the sense that if the Dodgers win, it's like, Oh, big money wins out again. Or if the Rays win, it's like, look at this small plucky underdog team. You don't need to spend money to win. And right. the way that we just like 
we as a larger baseball community, the Royal, we kind of turn everything into this grand, massive culture war debate in the baseball world. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's funny to me to do that because I think what's what's also interesting is like the 2016 matchup of Cleveland and Chicago sort of transcended that and got into like a an American culture war and was like representative of like, oh, Cleveland represents Trump and Chicago represents Hillary and like we're going to triumph over racism. And I want to be like, no, guys, the whole thing is Trump. The, the whole thing, you know, like you got to <laughs> you got to kind of remember it's all it's all the one kind of thing, you know, right. <laughs> like, you know, it helps me to remember that, like, yeah, it it looks like the Dodgers spend a lot of money. Also, somebody the other day was like, the Dodgers haven't won in 32 years. I was like, yeah, like they haven't won the World Series in 32 years, which compared to Cleveland is a long dro- is not a long drought, you know, but it's also a long drought for a big market team. That does yeah. spend a lot of money. There and we go, also, Alex. We had this conversation we, last yeah, week. We had this conversation. Alex asked me <laughs> what qualifies as a drought, and what I said, "What does it, qualify as a drought?" And I said, "It depends on it depends on the fan base's expectations, yeah. which has a lot to do with like the big market. You know, if, like if you're a fan of the Yankees or if you're a fan of the Dodgers, like you expect to be in contention, and it depends on how you know how frequently you make it to the playoffs and how frequently yeah. you win the division titles. So the Dodgers were I definitely mean, this, in a drought, a different type of drought than decade, Cleveland." Oh, for sure. It's a t- it's a completely different kind of drought, but a drought nonetheless, you know? Yeah. And like the Yankees haven't been in the World Series last decade. That's the first time ever in a decade that the Yankees have not at least been in a World Series. And that is huge for a team that's won 27 World Series. That's a big deal, you know, whether I care or not. <laughs> it's also <laughs> true, though, you know? So it's like, again, I have the beholder thing. But like, in a way... And and of course I'm partial, so you know. But the Dodgers also like pay their players. You know, <laughs> Tampa Bay Precisely. is not really paying. They're trying to get. They're doing the the thing that Moneyball, you know, has sort of like devolved into, which is profit ball, as opposed to um, finding the best with what you've got. You know, Moneyball was like, how can we, how can we field a good team with what we are limited by and now it's all how can we limit our output and get the most out of that you know astro ball whatever you want to call it, tampa ball whatever you want to call it it's like <laughs> yeah. we're, we're also not going to pay them and you know we we designed the payroll around getting paying nothing you know yeah um and I i'm sure the dodgers do that too yeah i, th- I mean yeah the, the distinction between so like the A's it was always bullshit right like Moneyball was always sure. bullshit and the owners always could have spent more but at least yeah, it was the owners can. deciding that the front office wasn't allowed to spend more now it sort of feels like the front office is in with them they're like yeah they we don't want yeah, together like, yeah. it, they oh, like yeah. get, they get like excited about it they're like what can oh, we yeah, do to prove game. that we can do the best with the least it is very McKinsey yeah, it's a hundred percent McKinsey. That's exactly what I was just gonna say. Yeah, it's the the McKinsey in the game is the worst. Is is potential? I'm not naive. This is not a non nonprofit. Like it's never been a nonprofit. Baseball has always had this stuff in it because it's been in America. So it's not you know it's not free from that. I don't think. But like, I truly do think the McKinseying of baseball is the worst part of it. You know, like it just is, and it's evident in the in the Astros scandal because. You know, I was thinking about it last night. You know, uh, I I am not happy that Julio Urias was the last out for this team. Um, I'm happy for people who feel represented, you know, like uh, Mexican-American players and Mexican, or I mean fans and 
like Mexican fans to see Victor Gonzalez and Julio Urias on the team and like in the World Series and and feel that, you know, like Fernando connection again, you know, like that sort of thing in Dodger lore, you know. Um, but you know, he's like an Osuna to me. And uh but to relate it back to the Astros is like it's interesting to me that the Astros cheating scandal came out of that, you know, and it's so it's all related. And that is the kind of stuff that like I don't know, that just like the McKinseying of it is like fully willing and also excited to get players at a discount because they have domestic assault on their, you know, it's like, oh, I can get this guy for cheap because nobody wants to touch him, you know, and we don't care, (laughs) which is not to say that that wasn't there before. It's just like, it's like open now, you know, that, that guy being like, I can't believe we got Osuna. I'm so excited. And then that sort of just like that thread is, is what got pulled. And then everybody, it was like, oh, you guys are totally dark. Okay. Got it. (laughs) You know, it's like all the whole thing. But that's my argument for why uh, Tampa Bay shouldn't have won. <laughs> I mean, I think you uh, listeners of the show will be very familiar with that argument because I think that we made yeah, it like absolutely. 150 times in the last like three months. But um, I I wanted to ask you, um, has there ever been a time where you thought, maybe I just won't watch baseball? Or maybe oh, I just won't watch Major League times. Baseball? Was oh, there ever yeah. a serious time? Because I think I've entertained that idea more as like a, I understand. I'm like empathetic to that idea more than I ever yeah. have been in the past, but I've never truly thought that I would do it. But oh, we've yeah. had we've had um we've had a few people on here whose baseball fandom has waned. I think namely mm-hmm. um Brittany De La Creta, who came on they came on as a baseball writer, ostensibly at the time, writing about women's baseball, and then told us on the pod, like, I'm not interested in baseball that much anymore <laughs> yeah, because it sucks. Right? Yeah, it'll do that to you, yeah. you know? It really will. Um, especially writing about it, it'll get you. I will say, like, I, I had a, I, I was in the writer's room for the development of the League of Their Own uh, series. And, like, it's so funny because I was talking about baseball, thinking about baseball, and writing about baseball every day. And I played great baseball that year. I played the <laughs> best baseball of my entire life. Like, I'll probably never get back to the way I played in 2018, which is funny. But I wasn't watching a lot of baseball because I just I didn't have the time like by the time, you know, yeah, um, because I was like working and just couldn't couldn't do it. But um, definitely. I mean, I I swore off of like almost all professional sports after the 1997 World Series. I just like blacked out <laughs> like I I just was like, nope, because I had started skateboarding and like I was just like following a different path and and i was like rejecting a big part of that and like you know the preppiness of whatever you want to call it and then just like that collapse and that that just like awful way to lose a world series like with one strike that way i was just like i'm done i'm done i'm done it's not and worth then, it it's not worth it it's yeah. just not worth it but every year i always kind of sort of watch the world series in some way shape or form and it would always feel good you know um, whether I wanted to admit that or not. And I never stopped loving baseball. It wasn't something that I had like a big resentment towards. It was more just like sports or professional sports break my heart too much, you know? And then like LeBron at the, in the Cavs and like, then I got back into that and, and that was a heartbreak after heartbreak after heartbreak. And, but then my, um, grandmother was like, passing it was like nearing the end of her life and i just started had started to sort of 
get back into it. And then I was just like, oh, I love this thing. And it felt like time with her, you know, even though she wasn't there. It was like, <clears throat> just felt like spending time in the past, you know, and I loved that. And this year is the closest since, you know, since the 97 thing where I was just like, I'm done. I don't need this. You know, like, I just don't need this. And it felt like maybe this is just a nice little break. Maybe th that's what this is. Like, I'm just going to take it. Like, I can't play baseball with my league. I can't, you know, there's no, I'm just going to take the break. But then they aired that debate and I was like, well, I'm not watching that. <laughs> so I guess I'll <laughs> just watch some baseball. And I was like, yeah, I do love this. Coming back, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like watching yeah. the New York Yankees play the Toronto Blue Jays in Buffalo. Come on. That was some it's good shit. Weird. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> that was weird. Um, on a, on a separate note, but related to something you mentioned, um, you you mentioned being in the in the writers' room for the League of Their mm -hmm. Own uh, reboot. Can you um, obviously? I'm sure that m much of that, uh, perhaps all of that, is is under wraps right now. Um, but can you? Are you allowed to talk about your? Um, involvement in that kind of what that process has been like what how how you are trying to remind people that that league mm. lasted for 10 years sure. well <laughs> i mean i'm not involved with it anymore i don't know where it's at you know uh, i mean i know they like got picked up they shot a pilot and stuff like that um <clears throat> but you know at the time that that was like what my job was like I mean, that's what I took on as my job was the resident baseball <laughs> fan, you know, where I was like, yeah. maybe they're playing baseball while this is happening. You know, like that was always my pitch. Yeah. But, um, you know, it was a really great experience. Like it was my first uh, like writing job outside of a project that was like my own. And and that was really cool. And, um, you know, I got to meet uh, I had already sort of met Mabel Blair, but I got to like hang out with her and. That was really cool. And we all went to Rockford because it was the 75th anniversary of the the original, you know, the the inaugural season. I, you know, stood at the on the mound at the field, it, which is like it's barely a baseball field anymore. But I got to like throw a pitch there, you know, and like it was crazy. I we also went through the the like Rockford archives, the museum graciously like let us in and let us like interact with like boxes and boxes of stuff. Like I saw children's like photo not photos because you couldn't take really take your own photos then but just like their scorecards and the stuff they made like these like you know fan albums that children made of their favorite players and i like held their cleats that were like this big you know like wow. i i picked up ba balls from like oh complete game shutout in 1944 or whatever and it was uh you know i, I mean i don't even know really how to describe that experience you know of just like getting to see those things like it's a pretty rare occurrence you know to get to meet people and um hear their stories and and talk to them about playing baseball you know and they weren't yeah. in major league baseball and they got paid to play baseball like even setting aside the fact that they were women like <laughs> these are people who got who played baseball professionally and they were paid to play baseball and they weren't in major league baseball like that's an incredible thing you know and then on top of that they're women that's crazy yeah you know? Yeah, it it feels so strange to me that there are these like alternate <laughs> baseball histories. You know, mm -hmm. you have um, the the Negro Leagues right mm -hmm. alongside that, right, where mm -hmm. there are these tremendous baseball players who are just 
locked out of the narrative. Yep. That's just because Major League Baseball cannot physically profit off of them right. anymore. Well, they're they're working on it, Alex. They're really they, this year. They've really worked on that. They've cast you the know, IP net out on yeah, that as they're well. Like, yeah. Oh wait, Nike will print these. Okay, now we're in. You know, uh-huh. you know, it was a real shame last year in the World Series how they kept pushing the narrative that there hadn't been you know like a World Series champs since whatever year, and they just completely. The broadcast completely let out, left out the grace. Like, it was insanity to me. Like, it's right there. And it's proof of, you know, like a white supremacist narrative, whether you're aware of it or not. It's like you're just picking it up and going with it. And it's like, there is the opportunity. There is the opportunity in the clips of all these teams to include that team, and you don't, you know? It's like, it's yeah. it's so easy. It's right there. Um. And yeah, it's it's nuts. But there are so many, so many baseball stories out there. So many baseball stories out there that like, you know, there's more than just one history of baseball. And that's the beauty of the thing, you know. And I don't know that that really, that there's another, you know, sport that really has that. That really, that, I don't know that there's like the same, you know, because there were factory teams and there were, you know, yeah. uh, just all these local teams that have like rich histories um that that fits along the the rich history of like american labor and you know like all all these things immigration you know like all this stuff where like it isn't just you know these five guys or whatever it's it's so many more people yeah well that's what so i think the argument gets simplified when people are like baseball is dying because they're leaving mm-hmm. out all of those narratives that you're talking about and they're leaving yeah. out the potential for more of those narratives in the future. Like we just pretend like that can't happen. But I wonder what you make of that narrative that the American <laughs> mainstream public conscious doesn't sure. give a fuck about baseball anymore. I mean, I think it's more than a narrative. I think it is true, you know? Um, and that doesn't mean that I think baseball is going to die. It's not going to die. There's too much money there, you know? Um, and they'll figure out a way because they always do. And but I do think that 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 interest is interest is dying because mm-hmm. they're they're just not. Um, and I'll tell you why. I heard a story on NPR by chance, like KPCC, uh, was like talking to. It was about how like Gen Z doesn't really care about live sports. The only live sports they care about are esports and NBA basketball. And the the commonality in those two sports is that they have personalities, you know, like distinct individual personalities. And that's what Gen Z gravitates towards. They don't actually gravitate towards brands. And baseball is very much about the brand. Like it's not about Cody Bellinger. It's about the Dodgers. It's about the Dodgers and not one guy. It's like, put your head down, be part of the team. And that translates into the the viewing audience too. It's like, you, you're a fan of the team, not the guy that's very baked into the, the sort of you know, uh, unwritten rules of baseball, like don't swing you on a three. Play for count. the the, team, the name on the front of the jersey, not the not name the on the back. The and like, yeah. you know, there's there's something nice about that. Where it's if it was about community, if it was about the yeah. city, but it's not because they make the city pay for all the shit and then they leave. But uh, you know, and they <laughs> they they like surveyed a thousand Gen Z people and they asked who their favorite professional athlete was, and one of them said a baseball player. One out of a thousand. And do you guys want to take a guess uh, at what which baseball player that was? Ooh, I don't know. Aaron (laughs) Judge. There's so many, right? I I I don't. Babe Ruth. Like, was it even? Was it a current player? Well, it was a current player. Yes, current player. Okay. My guess is Aaron (laughs) Judge because of the Yankees factor. 
Okay, Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge. Um, I will. It's gonna uh, be someone. Rare. It's gonna be like Jerickson Profar, or so. It's gonna be like a hardcore Brandon fit. Phillips. <laughs> I, uh, or, Alex uh, Gordon <laughs> or Tre- Trevor Bauer was it Trevor Bauer the one baseball player with a personality sure. online neither of you guys got it it was Mike Trout wow too obvious so too I, obvious yeah, I, like, I know I, I was the <laughs> one the one Gen Z like military guy who's like Mike Trout I love baseball <laughs> you know like it's so it's like I can see the guy I can see him my and core I can personality see them is that I'm from New Jersey <laughs> and have a buzz yeah. cut <laughs> But I mean that's like if if you're surveying a thousand like your 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 generation that is like coming in and going to spend money with you and 999 of them do not care about your sport like yeah it is like that's baseball good. is like as a concept as an entertainment value is like in the toilet you know um and that's on them to figure it out and it's not pitch clocks and it's not robot umps and it's not that at all it's like it's i was told it, the runner on second in extra <laughs> innings was gonna bring thousands of fans back oh my to the god games. i hate that one that one might be my least favorite i think well yeah. have you heard of let the kids play which they have then gone and hired tony la Russa to squash yeah yeah they've they've brought him in to scab that and uh <laughs> yeah it's um, ridiculous i mean i really think the key is like accessibility you know you really have to just like allow if if you're if you're going to k- maintain the con the, the sort of old guard which i do think is changing because i think the whole tatis event like the fact that jace tingler and the the rangers guy pretty quickly went back on what they said and also realized like they, they were willing to admit that they were like oh i oh like I, this is i didn't even think of it that way and like I get that. You didn't think of it that way. It's an unwritten rule. So you don't think about it, <laughs> you know, like, but I do, I think those moments are important and I think that it will slowly evolve the, the on-field product. But I think you do not grow a fan base. You definitely don't when you can't see the thing ever. You can't ever interact with it ever because it's not, it's locked behind, you know, five gates and a cable package and like people don't have that kind of money. They just don't. It needs to be on the radio, you know, whatever that the radio is anymore. Yeah. Well, it strikes me as a similar conversation to like going to the movie theater, which is the thing that people do sure. for like massive event movies now, but for no other reason, but is a yeah. thing that I love to do. It's like the same thing as going to a baseball game. Like it's right. really expensive to go to a yes. baseball game, but I like yes. to do it. And the reason that I find the urge that I feel the urge to do it is because I did it when I was a kid. <laughs> like like you said, you feel like you're in your nostalgia, like you're living in your nostalgia when you go to it. But every year that passes by that owners or the league at, you know, the league at wide doesn't institute some kind of affordable mm-hmm. family ticket package is a year where you're killing actively killing the sport. Like it's 100%. going in it's going in the wrong direction. And you have no ambient experience of the game. Like when you're home, you have no like way of just of just witnessing or experiencing it that is like present because I just, and like my family liked baseball, so it was on, but like it was on, (laughs) you know, like you could see it, you could hear it, you know, it's on the radio, like it's still on the radio, but um, that's the thing is like, they have to be willing to figure out what their radio is now. Cause nobody, I listen to games on the radio, but like there's just like, that's hardcore shit. I love that. Yeah. I mean, you know, my I, I do prefer to watch, but like you know, I listened to the the Will Smith, uh, you know, three run home run on the way home, and like, 
I'm glad it's on the radio so I can listen to the damn thing. But I also like I there's something to baseball of like listening to it. It it feels it's like sitting and watching a bonfire. You know those moments when you like get lost in it and you're like, oh, humans have done this for a really long time. <laughs> you know? It's yeah. like a kinship <laughs> with existence of humanity where you're just like, oh, I could be this could be a hundred years ago. You know, if I let everything fall away and stop thinking about like, well, this is a the year is 2020, you know, blah, 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 blah. it's like, no, it's still the same game, you know? Yeah. Still 90 yeah. feet. Six I, incredibly six, profound. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing. I um I I see the the little Yoda uh figurine <laughs> oh, yeah. on your mantle behind you. It's from and... Taco Bell. <laughs> okay. When, whenever whenever the, the the you know prequels came out or whatever. They're not really prequels, but you understand. Um but throughout this conversation, I keep seeing the little little Yoda, and I'm reminded of the uh, of the scene in the Last Jedi when uh, when 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 Yoda and uh, Luke Skywalker are chatting, and uh, and Yoda's like, "So uh, so this is it. Let's burn the sacred tree, right? <laughs> the texts, yeah. Let the texts burn. It's not what it was about. Like it's about the." the the concept and so and there needs to be some sort of similar revolution in baseball right yes. let yeah. let the past die burn the yeah. unwritten rules like open the shit up make it weird make it yeah. fun yeah. make it make it different that's okay well, I Alex, agree Alex yeah burn Alex, it down make it different do you want to um do you want to do the quick elevator pitch for our uh, eminent domain claim over the teams in their stadiums <laughs> and how that can fix baseball <laughs> Do you want to just give the 30-second log line for that bad boy yeah. that we did a we, couple months ago? I was going to say, we recorded that like at the beginning of the pandemic, so my brain is mostly fried <laughs> since yeah. then. Um, but, you know, cities should absolutely just take control over these teams that are sucking taxpayer dollars that have been there for decades. A hundred percent. owning this land. Like, I'm on board. Just, just snatch it from them. Especially if you look into the Dodgers history with Dodger Stadium, Chavez Ravine, a hundred percent. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. absolutely. <laughs> um, okay, Rhea, well, we've taken so much of your time and we're very If anybody's looking for, for a feel-good story, look into that one, you know? <laughs> <laughs> if this conversation didn't make you feel good enough about the future of baseball. Um, the future this, is now. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. Us. So great. Uh, tell people about Three Swings and wherever they can find anything else that you're doing that you want them to, to hear or see oh, or yeah. read or donate to or anything like that. For sure. Uh, so uh, Three Swings is a podcast about baseball that I do. It's uh, often about other shit and mostly just like living your life. But um, yeah, I do it mostly once a week. <laughs> it's on Forever Dog. I've been it started <laughs> as like a little uh, like World Series diary and then it it's it spun into a full podcast and um. Yeah, it was a real trip to record an episode saying that the Dodgers won the World Series because I've spent three years on that podcast of just saying going that like they haven't, ah! you know, like it's very just every day being like, well, I guess it's not for me, you know, like maybe I'm just destined to be a fan that that you know, like a Chicago Cubs fan that died in 2015. <laughs> like I think that's probably just gonna be my life, you know, like <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's been a trip. And uh, I'm curious to see what I end up doing with it in the offseason. Don't know yet, but we'll find out. And uh, yeah, you can get that on Spotify and Stitcher and all the places that you get podcasts, iTunes, um, however that thing works. And then, uh, yeah, I'm mostly on like 
social media too much, probably. I don't know. <laughs> I think <laughs> um, I, I tr- you know, try not to be on it very much. I haven't been doing that many Zoom shows. Oh, I'm on a TV show called Good Trouble, which is a real fun show. You know, like might be a, a good little fun pandemic watch. I get to play, uh, you know, kind of a villain, which is fun. <laughs> <laughs> Character turn. to play like a, a yeah, a villain comedian. It's kind of cool. But also I get to be a real person. So that's cool. Uh, but that that's that. I think, you know, a good place to donate some money is the Okra Pro- Project and also uh, the Loveland Foundation. And uh, I will be making some more uh, tie-dye t-shirts and selling those on my website, trashcanyon.com, where we sell tie-dye shirts that we've made and then donate a bunch of money to the Loveland Foundation. So that's fun. Hell yeah. That's wonderful. You can, uh, you can find links uh, to... All of the aforementioned um, in the description for this podcast. Rhea. Thanks, dude. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. So great. That's the way that the world goes round. You up one day. The next you down, it's a Great hang. Rhea Butcher gets the vibe. That was a lot of fun. Yes, absolutely. Huge thank you to Rhea for coming on and chilling with us. Put things in a lot of ways that I had never thought of them. Like ideas I agreed with, but reframed into phrasing that I had never considered. It's always fun to talk to other people in the baseball world in our, you know, semi-small community who like think slightly different than us. Yeah, turns out it's good having guests on who can uh, who can break our bubble. Bobby, this is a, you know we're living in a bubble right now. This is this is the real bubble that we're Unlike living in. Unlike the playoff, MLB playoffs, we actually <laughs> we are, actually living, are in living in a bubble. Yeah. <laughs> Um. Okay. Anything else before we need to get out of here? Go vote, <laughs> folks. <laughs> um, I, this is this is probably coming out on election day, and so I just want to say, be well, take care of yourselves and your family and your friends. Um, you know, we t- we're talking about a little little dumb thing called baseball, uh, but there are real things at stake. So, um, you know. Keep that in mind when you're uh, when you're making your decision at the ballot box, everyone. And I imagine, look, I, I imagine a lot of people listening to this podcast voted early. It seems like the um, the demographic the of people who listen to our show and of many people in the country right now. Um, and if you haven't, if you're going in person, obviously be safe. Bring your hand sanitizer. Wear your mask over your mouth and your nose. Stay away from uh, people as best you can. And last thing I'll say is. Vote with empathy, you know? Vote thinking about people other than just yourself. But also think about yourself, you know? Just eh, be safe. <laughs> be safe, everyone. The first time we've tried to ever give, like, um, earnest political, political advice. Yeah, and we're just we're like, not being, like, do, sarcastic. Do, 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 do good for the, for the ballot country. And last thing I'll say, like, if you didn't make it to this podcast on Tuesday and you're listening on Wednesday, um, hello from the past. It feels weird to record this podcast on Monday night, but um, we hope things are good. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we will not be back next week. We will be back the following week. Bye. That's the way that the world goes round. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez tipping pitches. This is the one that I love the most. So we'll see you next week. See ya!